0: Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin campus and beyond, a production of the Bowdoin Sustainability Office with your hosts Marie Caspard
1: and Holden Turner,
0: telling stories about sustainability from the perspective of students, staff, and community members. Of you who have listened to earlier episodes, you might be thinking, wait, did I hear uh, the name Holden and not Diego in that introduction? Uh, you did. <laughs> uh, so for some context, uh, Diego has graduated. Congrats to him. Um, and Holden will be taking on the role of co-host for this fall season. So we thought we'd do a short episode to say farewell to Diego, um, introduce Holden, and uh, check in on the first year class at Bowdoin um, in a time of Corona.
1: Hi everyone, my name's Holden and you'll be hearing more about me later in the show. But first we're gonna hear from Diego, your former co-host of Green Tea. Here we go.
2: Hi Diego, where are you right now? So I'm currently in Boulder, Colorado, but I've been to a number of places since the pandemic started before settling down here. And it's been really great to be here. So what are you doing there in Boulder? So uh, I'm writing for a small grant writing nonprofit located in Denver, and this is my first real post-grad job, which is super exciting, especially in a time like this and an economy like this. How are you feeling? Feeling good about being here. I'm very happy to be able to explore the mountains here every day and weekends um, and still get some 70 degree weather in November. So that's great.
1: So as you well know, we ask everyone this question. What has sustainability meant to you these last few months?
2: So, all right, sustainability since COVID. Man, sustainability since COVID is all about that first part of the word for me now, sustaining. How do we get through and how do we make do where we are with the people we're with and with a few resources resources that we may only have at certain times? It's about getting creative and pushing through despite the challenges it's not always pretty but it does get better what else have you been doing since leaving Bowden and leaving green tea uh sure if you want to point to some of the other work that i've been doing um i've actually transitioned a bit outside of the podcast audio realm which is exciting towards multimedia stuff uh, so if you want to go check out the island institute uh working up there in rockland maine I worked with them over the summer to produce a few short films and was working on their website. Um, and the work that they do is incredible, so go check them out. And is there anything that you miss about Maine? For as much as I love being in the mountains, I do miss living on the ocean and I really appreciate having lived on the coast for four years now. It's something I won't forget.
1: Our last question is, what's a lesson you've learned from hosting Green Tea for its first two seasons?
2: the number of different approaches to the themes that we discussed on the show are incredible. People are often doing work towards many of the same goals that we had on green tea that I never would have initially called sustainability. Um, So that was an eye-opening experience for me. Hey, thanks so much, Diego. Good luck with the new show, uh, the new season. I can't wait to listen to each and every episode.
1: Well, good luck with your present job and keep in touch with everyone in Brunswick.
2: Yeah. And hopefully, uh, Maybe I can be a return guest at some point in the future. Well, we would love that. See you later. All right. Bye.
0: Holden and I got together in my backyard for a chat about sustainability, the podcast, and just a general life update. Here's that conversation.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so, so we're in my backyard. I live in Portland. Temporarily, wait. I don't know why I said temporarily. Not necessarily. It's kind of like this patch of grass behind our our garage. There's a compost bin, like directly behind Holden. Lots of like shrubbery. Got yeah. a plane flying over right now. A
1: plane from the Portland it. <laughs> and there's a lot of birds in the background chirping, although you can't hear them right now, I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah, some good some good fall colors. Very good fall it's a
1: cloudy october day and really excited to get green tea going again
0: yeah okay so um holden turner (laughs) hi everyone
1: what's up super excited to be on the show i'm doing well how are you marie
0: um you know i'm good it's been a day working from home yeah kind of a mellow day
1: cool let's just
0: hop into it let's Um, do it where are you from
1: so i'm originally from new haven connecticut although i was born in the maryland area Born in Baltimore, lived a while on the Eastern Shore near the Chesapeake Bay, Um, but when I was 10 my family moved to New Haven where I've been living ever since. Um, So I like like a little bit of city life, although I'm not a huge fan of Mm -hmm. uh, the crowds of New York City. (laughs) So coming up to Maine was a nice move for me um, up to Bowdoin. I'm now a senior and uh, having spent the better part of four years up here, Mm -hmm. um, I've liked the the pace of life up here a lot it's nice yeah yeah. have you found the same
0: I feel like I've really um, sort of connected with like just the environment in Maine like I spent a lot of time outside and I've really obviously there's always so much more to get to know and of I'm course. always like envious of people who can like just whip out so much information about a place but <laughs> I definitely like feel connected to the place and Portland is a good place for me I would yeah. say yeah, um, definitely.
1: I, I mean, as students here, we have been a little temporary, but like, I think the more time you spend in a place, the more you get to know its yeah. ecology yeah. on both a metaphorical sense and a figure, <laughs> and a, a real sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So on that note, what are you, you said you're a senior, but you're taking a semester.
1: I am taking a semester off right yeah. now. Yeah. What are um, you up to? Right now, I'm working. I'm working <laughs> at a restaurant called Taoyuan in Brunswick. Um, it's an Asian fusion restaurant and it's a really nice team, I'm lucky to have that job there. Um, but yeah, I'm taking a break from classes, but when I am a student, I said I'm now a senior, I major in environmental studies and earth sciences, um, earth, earth and oceanographic science at Bowdoin. So uh, you'll find me a lot in the Rue Center, but I also love to take other classes on campus. I really enjoyed the Italian department, shout out to them, <laughs> and um, I'm a big fan of theater and English and even some physics and math thrown in there, so la la. I try to uh, take as many cool classes as I can.
0: Okay, one time I, I haven't been to Taoyuan a bunch, mm-hmm. but one time I had this like fiddlehead dish mm. that was so good.
1: Yeah. They do they try still, to, s-
0: I think it's not the season. Yeah, they try to do a lot
1: of seasonal yeah. ingredients so right now there's a little bit of tuna because the tuna season just ended oh. and um, there's also a lot of like good root vegetables like a delicata squash dish
0: oh yeah. nice yeah are those the ones with the like um, green strips yeah
1: the, they're they're orange and green this yeah. beautiful mottled. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah oh good stuff <laughs> um, so this is a question that we ask pretty much everyone who sure. comes on the show um, what does sustainability mean to you?
1: So sustainability is a concept that I hadn't thought a lot about much before college, but upon getting here, I kind of took it at face value. Like, sustainability is to sustain yourself, is to sustain things and systems in the world. So it's a lot about just, like, trying to adapt and always be resilient. Mm. Um, but, of course, it has a very strong environmental environmentalism, green. Um, association with it and I've really enjoyed taking up some of those projects through the Office of Sustainability Mm. while I've been at Bowdoin Um, but for me it's it's kind of a fluid definition like and almost too fluid in a way like it can be applied to so many things Mm. Um, I've even come across some uh, in my like research some like people arguing that sustainability can be too broadly applied and sometimes the the political expedience of calling something sustainable doesn't actually reflect the mm. uh, outcomes. They might not actually be so-called sustainable outcomes. So, it's something that has to be taken with a grain of salt. I think, mm-hmm. but I'm in full favor of trying to make the world a better place through listening to our surroundings and and uh, trying to do what we can to help the planet.
0: Mm. Are you? Is it like a? an issue with the level of rigor
1: of the definition of sustainability? Yeah. Is that Maybe. I'm not sure. I think I think we always just have to be conscious of mm. of what we're trying to apply it to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated, <laughs> I think. But that is all to say, sustainability is very important, mm. I think as we're thinking about things. Yeah.
0: So we're in COVID times. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're
1: currently sitting apart from each other in Marie's um, driveway. <laughs> one one could call it um, instead of in our lovely studio. Yeah, at
0: <laughs> instead of in the the basement of the. Oh wow, I really liked that place, um, the WBR room. Um, yep. But how has has that definition? Or, like, how you see it been changed or like reinforced in any way since the beginning yeah. of the pandemic?
1: Well, as we were just talking about a little bit ago before we started recording, like, there is a lot that's going on at this time in in, uh, in COVID times and, yeah. and in other contexts. Like, there's mm-hmm. a very important election that's going on. Yeah. And there are a lot of uh, wildfires in California or conversations yeah. about black lives. Yeah. Um, and so, in all of those, I think. I think something I'm thinking a lot about right now is um, like how to take the definition of sustainability and think about like, long-term change and mm-hmm. how that can be something um, really beneficial, but we have to kind of be conscious of it and always like, think, and a lot of us have to be okay with change. I think COVID has taught me a lot to be okay with change.
0: <laughs> Wait, to circle back for a second, yeah. you had mentioned your research, do you want to like,
1: <laughs> sure. elaborate? Okay, so in the past six months, I've done two pretty major research projects. Um, One was with my study abroad uh, experience, and that was related to marine um, protected areas in the Indian Ocean, specifically um, in the island nation of Seychelles, and that was super fun to talk with people and experts there about um, how people are talking about protecting marine ecosystems. But the more recent and kind of more uh, closer to my heart issue right now uh, that I've been looking at is um, part of Maine's food system. So there's a bunch of people in Maine right now who are really focusing on grains and local grains in particular, because Maine uh, at a a point in time in the mid uh, 19th century was a huge grain producer for the Northeast United States. And some people are looking at that and saying, Oh, that's a really big opportunity to try to bring Maine back into the forefront so I got to work with some people up at Maine Grains in Skowhegan and at the Maine Grain Alliance and I did a research project on how people uh, in the grain network are adapting and communicating especially in COVID times when mm. small businesses are often taking pretty big hits
0: mm. and you made a podcast I did make a
1: podcast which has kind of led to this podcast <laughs> here but yeah if you want to check out it's called Grainers and you can find it on all major platforms <laughs> beautiful <laughs> we'll shout out
2: there
0: <laughs> it's great um would recommend um so this podcast green tea mm-hmm. i think we try to focus on like sustainability happenings at bowdoin yeah. like in Brunswick, and and like more broadly in maine
1: yeah
0: um tell me about your relationship to those places or yeah
1: yeah well maine itself seems to have a really interesting position Um, i think especially i mean i'm a new englander i come from Mm -hmm. connecticut which uh, is at the southern part of new england but it's that area is also highly connected to like new york and boston and maine is a little bit farther away and i think that gives it a sense of uh, independence a little bit of a rebel spirit Mm -hmm. i like that a lot Um, i like that there are people who are free thinkers who aren't afraid to do what they want to do up here But as with anything it's complicated, I I love Maine's nature and getting outside and exploring the coast, mountains, and I would uh, continue to love to explore the down east area especially. Mm. Um, But it's also just about talking to people in Maine. I think there's some very neat people here, whether it's people who own bookshops in Brunswick or people who are farming acres and acres and acres of land.
0: Cool. Um, Okay, so to finish off, this other podcast that I really like—it's called The Energy Gang. It's like pretty much just like energy experts, really, yeah. who just chat um, on a weekly basis. It's it's like reasonably technical, almost. Yeah. But anyways, they do this thing called um, a free electron at the end of mm-hmm. every episode, and I'm just gonna borrow the free electron principle and ask you what's, like, something that you've been thinking about that's, on some level, sustainability-related. <laughs> um, but just, I don't know, give us a fun fact.
1: I'm reading a great book about honeybees right now. Ooh. Yeah, this woman in England who is definitely a journalist-writer type but decides one year she's going to um, get some honeybees and start keeping keeping them in her, um, in her backyard, just like a backyard that we have type backyard we have here. But she goes into a really um, neat, deep dive into the etymology and the entomology, I guess, of of bees, um, and the idea of keeping bees. And I think the thing that she, one of her big conclusions is that keeping bees has taught her a lot about what some of the outcomes are when we try to control natural systems Hmm. versus when we try to let them teach us something. And that's a fine, a kind of fine line, but I think her point is that listening to bee colony has helped her slow down and, yeah. and um, adopt a more sustainable lifestyle for herself.
0: <laughs> I really like that. I feel like that's a good way to, like a good medium to sort of be m- more in
1: touch with the natural world. I think world. so, yeah. It's kind of a... It's, it seems like more of a relationship that she has because hmm. it's. she does really develop this friendship with that bee colony. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, my free electron will be, well, fun fact, I guess. It's not very fun, actually. <laughs> um, so I'm currently working for a tidal energy company. It's called the Ocean Renewable Power Company, but um, one of my bigger projects right now is looking at river systems and places yeah. where we could potentially test Um, they also have a river um, like an in-stream hydrokinetic uh, module that they're sort of developing Um, and a lot of my work is just looking around on Google Earth for sites that might work there's a bit of like analysis that goes into that but my mind is like absolutely boggled by the number of dams that exist like in the United States like, pretty much every major river has, like, a couple of dams on it. It's wow. just, like, truly amazing. Yeah. Um, except for maybe, like, the Yellowstone River. Yeah. Um,
1: nice, protected yeah. river. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and a lot of those dams are, at this point, no longer um, producing power, so some of them are just more operating as we are. So it's very interesting to yeah. kind of think about how we've, like, very thoroughly altered river landscapes in the U.S. And honestly, like, not something that I had spent a lot of time considering. But,
1: yeah. um, sounds good. Well, thanks for talking with me. (laughs) And I'm excited to talk with a lot more people over the course of this season. Yes. At this time, the Bowdoin community has also been adapting to change. For our episode, we checked in with a couple of first years on campus. First, here's Ayanna Hatton. Where are you living on campus right now?
3: Um, I'm in Main Hall, coincidentally. So.
1: And what's the morale um, at, like for those people in Main Hall?
3: I think it's pretty high right now, but it is Monday. So a lot <laughs> of schoolwork is on the mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what's something that you've been thinking about recently in terms of like sustainability or environment?
3: Yeah, I guess like one of the things that's been on my mind is like, in the times of COVID, like how you could be sustainable both like to the environment, but also with yourself. Like there's a lot of stuff that's out of your control. And like one of the things I was thinking about was like um, dining, there's a lot of things that are out of your control and like that's okay. And it's because it's COVID. So bringing a water bottle, um, a reusable water bottle and your own silverware for your meals, because that's like what you can do, but also like not being hard on yourself about the stuff that you can't prevent in terms of like waste and
0: stuff like that. Are you referring to like all of the meals being packaged?
3: Yes, yes, sorry, that's what I'm referring to for people off campus. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there's a lot of packaging, but it makes sense because that's the safest way to do it as far as, yeah, as far as I know.
1: Mm -hmm. So what does it look like? Like you, you put your order in the dining hall and you'd come away with What
3: usually so it's either a plastic bag, which is compostable, or like a paper bag, and then you can pick up like different containers of stuff. So you have like the cold bar um, where there are salads and stuff, and all that is packaged, and then you get the hot bar, and then you could like choose what you want them to put into that. So all the cold stuff is pre packaged, Um, and then all. Most of the dining is outside. They recently opened up options in Thorn to eat inside. I have not not been in Thorn yet, but I've heard that it's a pretty interesting setup. There's like a table and you sit on like either side of the table um, six feet apart.
1: I've also noticed a proliferation of compost bins around campus right now. It seems like there's a lot more composting going on than it has been in the past.
3: Yeah, I don't know what it looked like before, but there is a lot of composting, um, which is great because we all have a lot of compost from our dining. <laughs> the squirrels seem to really like the fact that we're eating outside.
1: Have, have squirrels been attacking people with food?
3: No, but they have been like dumpster diving <laughs> and trash can diving. <laughs> so
0: have you Wow. Have seen A tailless squirrel around Park Row, by any chance?
3: I have not seen it myself, but I've heard about it.
0: (laughs) Back to your point about composting being all over campus. On some ways, it's really exciting for me to hear that because uh, throughout my time at Bowdoin, we've always sort of had a conversation around like, okay, we want to expand composting beyond just like the dorms and had looked to, like, the library or, like, other spaces on campus with some amounts of success and then some challenges. But it seems like in some ways COVID can kind of, like, precipitate a lot of change in, you know, both positively and negatively impactful ways. The ramping up of, product of like, compostable waste is maybe not optimal, but at least creating comfort with expanding that resource is kind of cool.
1: Ayana, have you seen any of your other habits change as a result of just living in changing COVID times?
0: I,
3: you know, I can't really think of any, but I, I think I'm like a lot more aware of like getting the plastic silverware and stuff like that, but I can't think of specific things. I, I think I'm just like a lot more aware of like separating my trash and stuff, something that seemed pretty natural at home, but now I have to really think about where stuff goes.
1: Are there any other um, issues around sustainability or environments that are really on your mind right now?
3: It's really important, and especially for the environment, and like a lot of rights are on the line. Definitely that um, I'm working with an organization um, called Just Me for Just Us, um, and they're actually partnered, I believe, with um, Maine Environmental Changemakers Association. So I'm really happy doing that, and we're doing some voter outreach and trying to get people get people's voting plans down, make sure they follow through, so.
1: Nice. And what does a day working with them look like?
3: (laughs) Yeah, so what I'm doing, um, as someone who's just, I'm a youth, um, vote captain, so I'm basically reaching out to people via text message, um, and asking them if they have a plan to vote, if they voted, if they can share their plan to vote with me, and then, um, I'm basically filling out a report like what their plan is and that helps our organization track let's say i reach out to you holden and you tell me that you're requesting an absentee ballot but you are in the process of it then i tell them that and they're gonna check and see if you've requested your absentee ballot and then they will reach out to me um saying oh he hasn't requested it yet like can you remind him and so then i would remind you and help you get a plan for what day you're going to bring your absentee ballot in, how you're going to do that, whether you're mailing it or um, putting it in a drop box. Um, so those kinds of things, um, they find that like actually making a, a very um, specific plan has helped with voter turnout.
0: Do you mind sharing if you've voted yet or not?
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I voted, um, I voted absentee in Freeport. I don't know how many weeks ago I turned in my ballot, but I sent it in the same day that I received it. <laughs>
1: Same. <laughs> so with this podcast, we're also trying to think a lot about the, the region uh, surrounding Bowdoin, and you say you're from Freeport. I'm wondering if you could just talk about your relationship to um, the, the Midcoast region and any places that are really special to you around here.
3: I guess like my backyard is basically like connected with the woods and a lot of trails. So I really have enjoyed like growing up like in the woods, basically. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> sounds kind of weird, but yeah. Um, Growing up like cross-country skiing and snowshoeing and hiking as like a normal thing with like nature being like directly in my backyard and having that available to me, um, I felt very lucky. And then also like Bowdoin having so many places around that you could like explore has been really nice. We're not like in a city where I feel like I'm trapped and like can't get to the water or can't get to the woods or to a trail. So I'm like really happy with the location of Bowdoin.
1: Well, Ayana, thanks for talking with us. This has been great to talk talk with you and just get an update on what uh, life is like.
0: Next up, we got a chance to catch up with Talia Morell, who's also a first year
1: at Bowdoin. Could you (laughs) tell us your name, um, where home is for you and where you're living on campus right now?
4: Um, My name is Talia Morell. I'm from Belmont, Massachusetts, and I'm living in West Hall.
1: Is there anything that you're currently thinking about or that's on your mind about sustainability issues?
4: Yeah, well, I guess one thing I've been thinking about is like how my my personal carbon footprint or environmental footprint has changed since coming to Bowdoin. And I guess I've been thinking a little bit about how I haven't been driving or I haven't driven at all since
2: <laughs> arriving yeah. here.
4: I have barely been in vehicles so I guess Just due to the pandemic, like having take out food in plastic containers all the time is like also a way that I'm like seeing the waste I create, like on a very like direct level. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't like a zero living, zero waste at home, but I guess I've kind of been thinking about that a little bit and just how to reduce my personal impact just like from living. So I, I don't know props to Bowdoin Dining for providing everyone with reusable silverware. So like I've been using that, but
1: there's definitely very few people, I think in normal living, even who are zero waste. I think that's a a far end of the spectrum, but yeah, we're all just trying the best we can. I think even just noticing it, like you say, is a really good step.
0: Do you feel like you have much control over the waste that you're producing or it's like primarily a product of your environment?
4: I think there's, a little bit of both I mean like within the dining hall like there's some packages that are that are compostable and some that are not so I guess I could only use the compostable ones um but I've not just been doing that I'm thinking about like paper towels in the bathroom Mm -hmm. and like using Purell bottles and like disposable masks sometimes try not to use disposable masks but like it's really hard to breathe when you're like working out indoors. That's like another thing that I'm like, wow, this is like something that I would not be like using not during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I guess the like volume of various items that do you feel like there are beyond your waste and making environmental change or trying to achieve more sustainability? I guess we can touch on your carbon footprint a little bit more. Are there other ways that you feel like you have opportunities to engage with, like you're using like masks or gloves or Purell bottles has kind of increased in some ways. There's like a lot of precautionary materials, I guess.
1: <laughs> I definitely feel that in my day to day. Yeah, I'm. I, um, it's it's more normal in a way to use masks or gloves or anything like resembling hand sanitizer, just in ways that you would not have used it before. That's just something to notice, I think.
0: Like, are you are you taking any classes in like the ES department? Well, yeah, I'm
4: right now. I'm taking Intro to Environmental Studies, which nice. has been really interesting. And yes, we're, we've learned about like chemicals and their impact on the environment. And right now we're learning about agriculture. So those are also like relevant to our present environment and climate change.
1: When I took intro to environment studies, we wrote a paper about a specific food item. Are you doing that?
4: Yeah, I'm actually in the <laughs> process of writing that right now about nice. like, pumpkins.
1: Pumpkins. Wait, what? What should we know about pumpkins?
4: <laughs> I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I'm actually writing about, but mm-hmm. they have become a symbol like of American culture, um, and like during the 19th century when America was like industrializing pumpkins were like representing, were used to represent like a, a, an agrarian and like simple lifestyle and that's kind of like, they kind of gained like yeah. cultural relevance.
1: Cool. Well, good luck on that paper. <laughs> that sounds like a great topic, especially relevant to this time of year.
4: Thank you. <laughs> and I guess also I've been going to the Sunrise Bowdoin mm-hmm. meetings, um, which is also been cool to yeah get to like
1: what what's your role in um the sunrise uh the sunrise group right now are you doing anything like do you have a role or like a project that you're working on right now for them
4: no i like don't have a specific role but i've just been going to the meetings and like i've participated in like a chalk the quad event um and i've been yeah i mean i haven't like been doing a ton but like working a little bit on actions yeah especially right now during like election season there's been a lot of talk a lot of like trying to reach out to friends about voting doing phone banks for candidates or like Sunrise nationally has been doing a lot of that
1: have you gotten the chance to explore the area around Bowdoin at all take any um, trips outside to visit any places in the surrounding Brunswick area
4: yeah um I am lucky to have been able to get spots on a couple um, outing club trips over the past few weeks. Went to Tumble Down Mountain. I guess that's kind of not in the Brunswick area, but (laughs) um, and the like Catherine's River canoe trip a couple weeks ago. I went to Simpson's Point, which was also really beautiful. Um, So yeah, I've like really loved getting to explore the Maine outdoors because I, especially because I haven't spent a lot of time in Maine before coming to Bowdoin.
1: Those are all places I love to visit so you've done a great job of getting out there already (laughs) beautiful fall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Humble Down is like one of my favorite hikes. There's one trail that's particularly like rocky and it's quite the scramble. I don't know if you went up that way or the more gradual way up. It was probably the more gradual way.
1: Did you swim in the lake at the top?
4: I didn't, but a couple people <laughs> did. It, it was all too cold for me.
0: <laughs> but they were brief. Understood. <laughs> Have um, you swim in there? I don't like being cold that much. <laughs> yeah.
1: So here with the Green Tea Podcast, we're also thinking a lot of, around like the um, like Bowdoin campus, of course Brunswick, and other places in Maine, can you tell us anything about like what you think your relationship to Bowdoin and Maine might be in the future?
4: Yeah, well, I guess I'm excited to be, as I like progress through being a Bowdoin student, like um, develop like a deeper connection to the area and feel more like Bowdoin and Maine can also be my home in addition to where I grew up. So I guess I'm starting to feel like that a little bit more than I did when I got here, so I guess I'm excited for
0: that to progress. I really relate to that that's that's kind of a sentiment that I felt when I first got here um, and you know, four years later, at least for me, it feels quite like home. so I hope that that continues to grow
2: <laughs>
1: Marie, you're basically living in Maine now full time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there anything that you've, like, learned in your classes recently that's su- that surprised you?
4: I, okay, this isn't related to my classes, but, like, I, like, I didn't, I watched the first presidential debate, mm-hmm. um, not so much the following ones, but I was surprised by the amount of time spent talking about climate-related issues or, like, specifically the Green New Deal, and I guess, like, both candidates were not supporting the Green New Deal in different ways but I guess I was a little bit surprised by the it really showed how um, much like national attention is being put on the Green New Deal and I guess I wasn't really aware that that was happening really like entering the mainstream so that was kind of cool to see.
1: Definitely Mm. because the group you're working with Sunrise is um, very much in support of the Green New Deal.
0: And probably had some level of yeah. yeah, sort of impact on like the number of questions or like the mm. phrasing of questions that had anything related to climate issues. So it's super cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. neat to see that that grassroots organizations are definitely getting attention at the national stage. Thank you so much, Talia. This has been a real pleasure, and I hope we can meet in person at some point and hang out.
4: Thank yeah. you so much, Paper.
1: <laughs> of Thank course. You.
0: What's your approach to this?
1: My approach to green tea is it should include a lot. I mean, as we're talking about sustainability does include a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but we can't be all encompassing because that would be too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think here we're trying to focus on people who are dealing with questions of environment and questions of time, questions Mm. of how can something either change or endure over time. Mm. That's my approach. What's your approach?
0: I'm just like very um, interested to see what other people have to say on these topics Um, just because there's so much that you don't know until you just talk to somebody else who knows more.
1: Right.
0: Um, So I kind of see it as like in some ways like a learning opportunity. Definitely. And like a way to expand my sense of like, like what are the ways that you can approach like environmental or sustainability issues um, and there are so many yet I think there are a lot of common themes or common threads
1: Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of season 3 of Green Tea We've got a great season ahead We'll be talking to Toby Tarpinian of Morning Glory Natural Foods Kate Holcomb of Canopy Farms and a whole host of people from Soul Systems and Competitive Energy Services about the newest installation of solar energy at Bowdoin College. See you soon.